It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we have a great freaking show for you today that will not be delivered in perfect... What is this? Iambic pentameter? I feel like, man... I'm going to talk to you like normal human beings. What a weird start to a show. Anyway, the point is, Pro Football Focus is Brad Spielberger is going to join us in 30 minutes for a preview of NFL free agency. Brad is their salary cap analyst, and he did PFF's top 150 free agents. And we talked about all of them. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't. Uh, we chatted a little bit earlier today, play this interview for you at 4.30. Really great insight onto the strengths and weaknesses of the market, how they line up with the commander's needs, and a cool, interesting kind of thought exercise when it comes to a guy like Cam Curl, for Washington, Brad Spielberger at 4.30. Um, Linnell is going to take an hour to relax, calm down. He's going to do some woosah breathing, uh, and then he's going to come back in for overreaction Tuesday on a Wednesday because our schedules have been nuts. But Linnell talking draft, talking free agency, talking coaching search, talking all the hot commander's topics at 5 o'clock, 5.30. Never read the comments. Dave Johnson at 6, and then we're off the air at 6.30 tonight with Maryland Hoops here on the Team 980. Uh, we also will eventually get to the tale of my couch not being delivered. Uh, this is a very important show thing. I've had more uh, social media traction on my couch delivery the last couple of days than literally anything we've done on the show in a long time. And actually, Anthony, I'm not going to lie. There's a part of me that wonders, should we do the couch thing now because we're already five minutes into this segment, uh, or should we talk about the Commander's Cornerstone pieces? I think we should talk about these couch chronicles, to be honest. Okay, yeah. let's talk Let's talk about the couch. Because I'm not even kidding when I tell you I have had more Instagram uh, like DMs, more tweets. Oh, yeah, people that were just listening to the show. We mentioned the couch in passing yesterday. And people were tweeting the show. Be like, bro, we got to know what happened with the couch. So here's what happened with the couch. Um... My wife and I, as many of you know, uh, especially those of you that watch the show, whether it's live or on YouTube, have seen that my background in the last couple of months have changed. And you've heard me talk about it. We moved into a new place uh, in November. And even before we moved out, we sat on our old couch in our old apartment and ordered a new couch knowing it was going to take a long time to deliver. 10 to 14 weeks was the delivery. They custom make it. Cool. We spent a, an adult amount of money on this couch. Nothing outrageous, but like this is this is a real freaking purchase. And so we get the uh, we, we wait. We're patient, very patient. But we know, OK, eventually this couch is going to be put on a boat. It's going to be sent over because it's, I guess, being built in Europe. Gets on. We get the notification a couple weeks ago. Your couch is on the boat. Sick. Hey, babe, our couch is coming soon. Rachel's very excited. I'm very excited. We're looking at all kinds of other stuff for our living room. We're just, we're starting to piece it together. Our, our home is feeling like a home. And then we get the, uh, get the word uh, that, that, hey, time to schedule delivery time. Your couch has been delivered to the people that are going to deliver it. Lots of multi-step delivery here. And so we get a note uh, early in the week last week, or maybe it was late the week before. Pick your delivery day. It was late the week before. So like two weeks ago, let's say two weeks ago today, roughly, 
we schedule delivery for next Thursday, a.k.a. last Thursday. And we get a call Wednesday confirming, hey, your delivery is on for tomorrow. Uh, they even narrowed it down from, uh, hey, it'll come sometime between 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. No, no, no. They narrowed it down, Anthony. It was uh, 11 to 2.30. We got a four-and-a-half-hour window. Now, they also told us that we don't remove old couches. So now it's like, okay, well, we got we to gotta get, gotta get our old couch out of here. And we actually had two couches in our living room that we're replacing with one giant sectional. And so, sure enough, Thursday morning, we have a TaskRabbit scheduled to do the junk delivery to, to, to take our old couch away, uh, the one that we're getting rid of. Then we have uh, our, our, our own muscles to take the other couch that we're keeping and throwing in my office. Maybe on Friday's show, I will do a segment from the couch when I'm doing the show from home just so I can show off the couch and people will understand the story even better. So that couch goes in my office upstairs and we have to, Rachel and I carry it, which I know we're big fitness nerds. So everyone's like, oh, that, you must have had fun. I was eight in the morning. I didn't want to lift a couch. Didn't want to have to maneuver a couch upstairs, but we did. Only for me, as Rachel had started to take some of the trash out from some of the, the other pieces that we had for our living room. And I'm, I'm putting my shoes on and getting ready to, to go down and join her on a trash run. And I get a call saying, hey, sorry, your delivery is canceled. I'm sorry, what now? My delivery is who's a what's it? Yeah, it's canceled. Uh, we don't actually have all the pieces to your couch yet. So I call them and I'm like, do you think that perhaps when you called me to confirm yesterday that you could have mentioned this was a possibility? course they're like oh we're so sorry we're so very sorry I'm sure you are and you try to one thing that I've learned I will say this if there's kids out there listening you're gonna go through a phase in your life or you're on track to right now I'm about to save you from it where you're gonna be a horrible person to customer service people those people it's not their fault and that was a lesson I wish I learned earlier in life after I was a terrible jerk, nothing like bad happened other than my own guilt and realizing how much of an asshole I was. But there was, there was a point in my life where I thought it was a sport when I was wronged by big giant corporations to take it out on the customer service people. Don't do that. It's not their fault. That is a bad reflection of me at that time in my life. So I was like, look, I realize this isn't your fault, but can you please note in the future for other customers to do better? Um, and so they're like, yes, of course. And they, they're like, we'll call you when the couch gets in. So on Saturday, I'm in the middle of an event. I see my phone ring with the number from the couch people. I'm like, oh, let me step out of this workout event. And uh, it was like a workshop situation. And I was like, I know the person running the workshop. I think I can get the information another time. Uh, I will, and, and I'm like, yeah, hello, do you have my couch? They're like, yes, we do. We can deliver it on Thursday. I'm like, no, you can deliver it this afternoon because you were supposed to deliver it last Thursday. And we don't have time to rearrange our life again because we had to cancel that task rabbit. Like eventually, you know, we just, that, you know, I didn't have a place to sit because the couch that we moved was the one that I normally sat on. We took our inflatable bed from our guest room, like our air mattress. That's what I was sitting on in our living room for half a week. Um, and I was like, no, we're not doing this. Like 
you're going to deliver it sooner than that. And they were like, okay, let me, let me call the dispatcher. I'll email the dispatcher and I'll call you back. Anthony, did they ever call me back? No. No, they did not. They did not call me back. So on Monday, I call on Sunday and I'm like, eh, never mind. You guys are closed on Sunday. So I call on Monday and I'm like, hi, hello. What the, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, we've got you scheduled for tomorrow. I'm like, cool. Were you going to tell me? When is it coming? Uh, oh, we're still going to, we're still narrowing down the four hour window. We'll call you. Anthony, did they call me? No, they did not. No, they did not. Luckily, I had added Rachel's contact info at this point because obviously there's three hours a day where I'm completely unavailable. I can't answer phones during this radio show. And so Rachel checks the account or gets a text that says the couch will be coming between 10 and 11 a.m. This is Tuesday morning at 8.30 a.m. So luckily, we had already scheduled rescheduled the TaskRabbit. That guy was awesome. Uh, we moved the couch out. Uh, then... What what happens, Anthony? But 11 a.m. shows up. Do we have a couch yet? You do not. No, we don't. Somewhere around 11:30, they finally pull up. The couch is beautiful. We're very happy. I cannot not recommend the delivery company that we had no choice in using enough. They were terrible. I will not put their name out there in part because their name is very similar to another company that I like very much. Uh, that does similar type of work. I think the company that I like should sue the company that I don't because I feel like their names are too close apart or too close together. That's not actually how suing people works, but I it should be. Um, and that is the saga of our couch. Ultimately, we have a very beautiful couch. I am very happy. My wife is overjoyed. The delivery process was terrible, and it also cost me taping the segment with Linnell yesterday, which is why he's going to join us live at 5 o'clock. Before that... We will discuss uh, the cornerstone players of the Commanders franchise. Hey, Anthony, how, remind me again how this came up. This, we, we've been planning on doing this segment all week. Oh, what was um, the impetus for this? Cam Curl. Somebody had some number. Oh, that's that right. Cam- Brad Spielberger, who's going to join us at 430. Yeah. He had a projection for Cam Curl's contract. And I have thoughts on that. And I also have thoughts on uh, how few building pieces are actually in the current Commanders uh, roster and locker room. So we will discuss who are the actual cornerstone pieces of the Commanders. Who are the couches in my living room of the Commanders roster? Next on the Hoffman Show. Adam David Aldridge with The Athletic. Welcome to D.C. Um, I wonder what you think of the current roster. I believe that there's a few cornerstone pieces in this roster. I believe we have a lot of work to do, and that's just evaluating everybody. And that's going to start with the coaches. When the coaches come in, we hire a head coach. We sit down together with the personnel department, and we sit down and, and evaluate everything and figure out where we need to be. So that's an ongoing process. I've started a little bit, but we have a lot of work to do, David. It's the Hoffman Show. That, of course, Adam Peters, the commander's general manager, not that long ago, although it feels like ages ago now, The next step is, of course, getting that coaching staff in because who your key cornerstone players are does depend on how a coach actually is going to use them. And, Anthony, that got us to thinking, as these types of things normally do, uh, especially when our guy Brad Spielberger and Pro Football Focus decided to put out their top 150 list in terms of free agents, and we saw Cam Curl. When Brad does this as, as PFF salary cap expert, and again, he'll join us in about 
10 minutes. Um, Brad uh, puts a number on everybody, and he thinks that Cam Curl is going to get somewhere between, you know, 12 and 15, actually not 12, uh, like 13 and a half and 15 million a year. Three for 40 to three for 45 is the, is the, the actual number. God forbid I try to do math. Not going to go well. Should have known better. Um, and I, I just look at that. I know they have a, a bunch of cap space and they can create more. But I look at that number and where they are with guys elsewhere at that position and just go, I don't know that I'd pay that for Cam Curl. And it does make you wonder, like, well, then who are you going to pay for? And so let's run through it. This is going to be lickety split fast. But guys that we feel really confident that will be here, I'm going to say in three years, two years, let's go two, that will play the next two seasons in Washington. How many of them actually are there? At quarterback, I think Sam Howell will be on the roster, but he I don't know if you call your backup quarterback at 24 years old a cornerstone piece, but he'll be there. Um, Chris Rodriguez and Brian Robinson, I think, are going to be there, and I think B-Rob is, is as close, is pretty close, I would say, to a cornerstone piece. Third-round pick, doing his job as a starter, really good, getting better. It does, to, like, could I see them... You know, take if Ben Johnson comes in, taking a Jameer Gibbs type of player that's a lot quicker, and that guy becoming a bigger deal. Yes, I could. So that's interesting. I think Terry is here for the foreseeable future, and I do think he is capable of being a cornerstone piece. I think the narrative has almost turned too much on Terry. The idea that he was like bad this year, I think, is overstated. He had stretches of games where he was unstoppable, which is what he does. He had 1,000 yards again. He's had one, like, he is having a Santana Moss-esque career. Now, Santana had some seasons that were insane. I think he had 1,400 yards uh, one of his first couple seasons in Washington, if I'm remembering correctly. But, like, Santana played with a different quarterback every single year. He played with 14 different quarterbacks in Washington over the course of his career. I think he was here for 10 years. Um, With Terry, like, you're looking at the same thing. What would happen, God forbid, if he got someone who threw the balls that he was good at, someone who understood how to put him in positions to succeed from a route standpoint and took advantage of his immense skill set. I think Terry McLaurin can be a building block cornerstone for you. He's also in his late 20s, and we know the receivers tend to hit a wall at 30. Jahan, I hope he's a cornerstone, but he'll be here for the next two years. Tight end, squadoosh. No guarantees. Armani Rogers comes back, maybe, but I don't know. You like He's a second. He's not, he's not a one. Offensive line, Cosme. Got it. Check. I think the hope is that Stromberg is as well. Not, not a lot there. Um, I think Chris Ball, Sadiq Charles, easily replaceable uh, and upgradable. But Stromberg, third-round pick last year. Don't really understand why he didn't play more. Uh, and then Cosme's a stud. That's it on offense, right? So cornerstone, even cornerstone, if we're being... Super liberal with the definition here. Cosme is like the most rock solid. McLaren. Dotson. Robinson. That's it. That's the list. I don't even know if I would go as far in, as to call Jahan a cornerstone. I, I think the other three are spot on. Um... And when I say, like, corners, well, in my, the way I envisioned it, 
guys that you know we could actually put out there as trade like for uh, for trade value purposes and i'm mm. not saying i'm out here like looking to trade any of these players but for the right price i think terry cosme and b raw will will be the only three that would be like of legitimate value well, B Rob, you're not getting anything for because he's a running back. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with B Rob, it's everything uh-huh. to do with the value of running backs. Why would you trade a running back when you can, for a running back, when you just draft one who's younger and has a, a longer rookie contract mm-hmm. and probably gets similar production, even if Brian Robinson's very good? The problem is a lot of running backs are very good. Terry, you could get something of value for. Jahan, probably not. Like, if, if you got a third for Jahan, like, that would be something to get a third. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not psyched about that. I'd probably rather just keep him and see if I can get better production. Yeah. Um, Cosme, you get something for yeah. Cosme. Cosme, you get real value for, but you don't want to because you want to keep him because he's very good at his job. Um. Yeah, I, I, I also think of it this way: like, which players are you think? Because this is the curl question, right? Mm-hmm. Which players are you willing to pay? You're either currently paying them and you're and you're fine with it. Like I'm fine with paying Terry what he's getting paid. Yep. He's a really good football player. I'm fine with paying Duran. If John bounces back to what he was two years ago and this year was a, this stupid fluke of an anomaly and a bad defense with terrible edge play and he was hurt, then I'm fine with paying John Allen. And then it becomes like, which guys would you give a second contract to based off the trajectory that they're on right now? There ain't a lot of those guys. And like Cosme, yeah, I'm, I think in a couple years you're willing to pay Sam Cosme. See how much the guard market is. It's always hard to pay a guard, but, you know, unless you want, unless you get like a sheriff situation where Jacksonville like way overpays him, at the very least Sam Cosme is going to get tagged in a couple of years. Yeah. He, he's going to get a second contract of some kind from the commanders. Um, unless he's just a total non-fit with the new system. Terry, you're paying. Jahan's not on track to get a second contract right now at least a size like he'll be in the league but he's not going to get any major money yeah um b rob that's tough because he's a running back so even by that standard we've knocked off jahan and we've knocked off b rob on the offensive side it's cosme and it's terry yeah and then it's a guy if a guy like stromberg develops could he be on track yeah but there's literally no one else that i can think of are you paying Cam Curl though? So let's get to defense. Oh. D line, I'm f- I'm fine with paying the two dudes that they're paid. Again, John last year, not psyched about the return on my investment, but I realize there's a lot of circumstances there um, with the foot injury and the knee and all the stuff he was dealing with. Fine, Duran, not as good as he was two years ago, but still very good. Fine. KJ Henry, like as a rotational piece, that doesn't really count. None of the linebackers. Again, I like Jamin. Like I like Jamin Davis, a football player. I'm not running to give him a bunch of money right now. Yeah. The only other guy I can think of is Quan. Like, and because Quan is one of my guys, I'm not in a rush to pay Cam Curl. And this sucks because Cam Curl's a good football player. But as we're about to talk about with Spielberger, like the the number of high quality safeties is pretty high around the league. Yep. So if you can get a high quality safety at half the price, why would you pay Curl? And especially like he's not obviously like Earl Thomas, Ed Reed level in any way, but especially not the ball hawk game changer type. 
He's not an elite communicator. He did not do a good job of making his teammates better this year. Cam Curl is excellent at doing what you ask him to do. I don't know that he's he elevates a defense and makes everyone around him better. And if you're going to pay a guy, part of what you're paying him for is so that you can pay other guys less and get good production. You need that rub-off effect. I don't know that Cam Curl has proven that in his time here. Again, Cam's an excellent football player. He deserves to get paid somewhere. With where this team is right now, mm-hmm. I don't know that he's the right guy to bring Forbes and Martin and the, the young guys that just because of their contracts will be here along. I'd probably just rock with Quan, Martin, or sorry, Quan, Forrest, Butler as a rotational piece. If, if I can find a safety that is either worth paying because he has the communication and the ball skills or another, like I would definitely bring in a veteran safety, but instead of three for 45, let's bring one in two for 12 and get a really good player. Yeah, I'm more interested in that. That's where I sit today. If they re-sign Cam Curl, I'm not going to be mad about it. He's an excellent, excellent football player. But to me, best practice, optimization, I don't think I'm signing Cam Curl. I mean, I agree. And, and the the money that, you know, him and I think his Kent was, you know, looking for prior to the season or like going into the season was, you know, top of the market money. And I just – That's a no – that's a no – a no go. Yeah, that 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 ain't happening. So, and I do think like this is something else that we're going to talk about with Spielberger. You drafted Quan in case you lost Cam. Yep. You can't keep paying guys that you draft the replacements for. Eventually, you got to do what Philly does. You got to do what San Francisco does. You got to let these guys go. It's hard. Doesn't mean they're bad football players. It's not necessarily personal. It is professional, and it is unique to them. But at the end of the day, like. Eventually, you got to say we can't we can't keep doing this the way we're doing it. It's a bad way to build a roster, and I think Cam might be the first guy who winds up leaving uh, on those grounds. All right. Speaking of Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, their salary cap analyst in three minutes here on the Team Nine Eighty. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team Nine Eighty, always live as well on the free Odyssey app, and of course streaming live on YouTube at. The team 980, and it's our pleasure to welcome back to the show Brad Spielberger, who is the salary cap analyst at Pro Football Focus and just released a list of the top free agents. And uh, Brad, I feel like we've spent obviously so much time here. Well, first, uh, we had you on the show in in the winter. I guess we're still in the dead center of winter. It was, you know, a solid 19 degrees most of last week here in D.C. Um, but, you know, earlier in the winter to talk about the front office guys and, and you kind of gave us one of the first really good scopes of the list of potential people. Obviously, the commanders now have Adam Peters. We spent a lot of time talking about the coach, and I think people are looking at the draft because that number two pick. But free agency comes before the draft, and the commanders have more cap space than anyone. How would you characterize the free agent class this year? Um, depth, kind of type of players available, and, and especially once you look at some of the guys who may be franchise tag, what this free agency class actually looks like. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The, the, the team basically sat out free agency the last couple of years. Was that an organizational philosophy? Because not saying it's good to spend in free agency necessarily. Was it more ownership knowing they were going to move on? Like the different elements there. Um, is Josh Harris going to come in and maybe be aggressive, spend a little bit, build around this new regime? Or are they also going to be more patient and not really dive into the waters? So 
I do think it lines up nicely with what I would characterize as the needs for Washington. Um, interior offensive line, I think they're a, it's probably the best guard and center class that I remember doing. This is on my fourth year doing it for PFF, but, you know, I've been doing this for about seven, eight years now. I'm just kind of looking at the list and kind of, you know, weighing, like you said, depth versus top end strength, all those different things. So, Interior offensive line, I think, is great. Linebacker play is pretty deep as well, which is certainly an area where, where Washington could address. There's different styles of linebackers, coverage guys, early down thumpers, like whatever you're looking for in that regard as well. So I would say those are the strengths of this class. And then I think there are, at the top, some really good interior defensive linemen, not really a, a need for Washington per se. Maybe they do trade, a, you know, move on from from a John Allen or something like that. And maybe they do need to go that direction. But, but anyway, that, that's how I would characterize it. Otherwise, it's, you know, your typical wide receiver threes and cor- number two corners, maybe number three corners, or, you know, oh, there's always a million safeties and, and maybe, you know, Cam Curl stays, maybe Cam Curl goes, they get cheaper. So, yeah, that was a bit of a ramble, but, yeah, it, it's no, a that's, solid class. Yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. generalization. That's what, yeah, we're, yeah. that's what we're looking for. So let's go into some of the specifics. Um, it le- And let's, for the moment, Let's operate under the assumption that Washington goes with Ben Johnson. He seems to be the number one guy on the market. They seem to be the number one job on the market. Um, I do think some of the reporting that is out there, calling it reporting is actually giving it too much credit, but some of the the people saying that, you know, it's a done deal. Like they still haven't interviewed him and Aaron Glenn and Mike McDonald in person. And that is a enormous part of this evaluation, but it does seem like coming out of the virtuals that, that he is their lead candidate uh, in some, you know, who knows by how much, but in some form or fashion. So I say all that to say, let's operate as if Ben Johnson is the coach and he brings a mostly similar scheme with him to Washington. Who are some of the guards and interior offensive linemen that would be intriguing for Washington on this class? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting right out of the gate. There are two Lions players. So first, a cheaper young guy, or not cheaper, a younger guy in Jonah Jackson, their left guard right now, actually just got hurt in their last playoff game. We'll see if he plays this upcoming weekend. But um, for me, very good second-level run blocker. You will see him, like, blow some linebackers and safeties up um, with some fun reps. I think he can get better as a pass protector. Um, but a good athlete, former third-round pick out of Ohio State, that I think just needs to continue to settle in in his pass stat to eat. Keeps his feet too close together. I guess I won't go into full breakdowns of these guys. But uh, Jonah Jackson is one. And then Graham Glasgow is kind of the journeyman veteran now. Was a Lion. Went to Denver. Is back in Detroit. Can play center. Can play guard. Um, so both of those guys, I would imagine, just because of their connection with Ben Johnson, would make a lot of sense. So, yeah, I think you are looking, though, for bigger guys. Guys that can fit in a potential gap scheme, inside zone scheme. Like They do run off tackle. They run outside the tackles as well. But... We're not looking for a wide zone Kyle Shanahan, 290-pound guard. We're looking for some uh, some bigger guys that can displace defensive linemen. Um, I think those guys are a good place to start. Kevin Dotson with the Rams, probably the last name I'll throw in there. Um, a guy that fits that, that big gap scheme and a much better pass blocker uh, than those first two guys I mentioned. A little bit less nimble in space, but, but a strong, strong anchor uh, in the wrong game as well. Brad Spielberger, salary cap analyst for PFF, is with us on the tackle front because I, I kind of am the, of the belief that you should they they need to take like a, a tackle somewhere in this draft fairly early, like one of those five top one hundred picks that they have, be an anchor for the future, and then the other tackle spot let's address in free agency. If you think that you need to move on from Charles Leno at at the left spot. I kind of think they might, you know, their guard solution might be kick Andrew Wiley inside. We'll we'll see about that uh, with the next with the next coach. Thanks. Um, but if they want to address tackle 
in this free agency class? Are there options available and who, who might be a good one to look at? Yeah. So first I do agree with you in the draft. Uh, it's a good tackle class too. So like, yeah, I think you can get a very good player uh, in the second round potentially with one of those picks. So you can, it's hard to get like a premier tackle, but there are some solid options here. I think one that would jump out is a Trent Brown uh, with the Patriots. You know, he's kind of up and down. He's going to miss some time pretty much every year. He has claws in his contract to keep his weight down, um, but he's a phenomenal football player when he is out there. So um, he's intriguing, a true tackle. He's gigantic. He's like six, eight. Um, there's no question of if he's a tackle or a guard, he's a tackle. Um, I will move on to a second guy who can play both. And again, you mentioned maybe Wiley, obviously Sam Cosme finally uh, kicked inside um, and looked pretty good there. Um, Mike Onwenu, also with the New England Patriots, has played right tackle, has played guard for them. Some teams probably do view him as a guard. He always grades out very, very well for us at right tackle. Um, and I think he could play there if trusted to be there. And the last one I'll say is, um, Jonah Williams with the Cincinnati Bengals. So mm. I think he gets a little bit bad of a rap because he's a former, you know, 11th overall pick in since he missed his rookie season with injury and, and hasn't been amazing, but pretty high floor as a pass blocker. Like it, he's not a complete liability. You can leave him on an island at times. Is he an elite tackle? No. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a pending free agent. Um, but a good stopgap, a good player uh, that can play both sides, played right tackle this year, um, played left every year before that. I think those are some of the, the marquee names of that position and, and all guys that I think would be upgrades for Washington. So the next position I'll ask you about offensively is the last one that I am curious if they would address it in free agency, but it is maybe the best receiver draft class that we've seen. I don't even know when I'd have to ask your boy Sikama about when the last time there was this good of a receiver class. And there are some bigger bodied guys. And, and I think there's a lot of us here that think an X receiver, that guy that lines up on the line of scrimmage, bigger body for the fans that they don't really know the difference between the X and the Z. Terry McLaurin has been playing that a lot for Washington. But I think that there's a lot of folks that think if they can get him that step back off the line, let him use some of his speed and quickness, shift him over to a Z, that he'd be more effective, kick Jahan down a spot into more of a slot receiver type of role. And then how do you get the X? And there's some great X receivers available. My question would be cost versus and cost, you know, kind of efficiency versus some of the guys in the draft. So what, what does the market considering the draft class look like for Mike Evans and company at that X receiver spot where there are again, some excellent names. Yeah, I mean, the top three receivers on the board are all those big body X, you know, you have Michael Pittman out of Indianapolis, who's more of your kind of possession receiver, low average at the target, but extremely sure handed is going to get you, you know, 100 catches, 1000 yards and a couple scores pretty much every year. Um, T Higgins, I think interesting in Cincinnati, and both these guys are going to get franchise tagged. But I would say I think Higgins is more likely to maybe be tagged and then traded um, to another team getting him some more free releases and letting him operate a different way. Um, and then Mike Evans too. So the first two guys, I think you would have to not only invest, you know, the contract, but you're also probably trading. I don't think you're sending a first round pick for Michael Pittman, but probably a second round pick and, and, and more. And then for T Higgins, I think it is like an AJ Brown type package, like a first and a third. And mm. then you're giving both of those guys 24, $23, 24000000 million a year. Um, with Evans, I think he did – show in Tampa last year by wanting an extension, pushing for an extension and kind of making his, you know, lack of uh, like faith in the, you know, the Julio Jones of the world where they kind of, they hit that spot and, and just kind of, you know, it just falls down pretty quickly uh, with their production. So I think you maybe get him for, you know, three years, 60 million, something like that. I, I would take that risk with Mike Evans. He's, you know, had a career here this year, yeah, um, awesome. but yeah, going to be expensive. Yeah, for sure. And it just with, I, I'd be curious to see, 
what teams are willing to do that in the free agent market, knowing that they absolutely, no matter where they're picking, if they have a pick in the first two rounds, could get an excellent X receiver in the draft. But that receiver is not going to be Mike Evans. So um, going to be interesting to see. So my uh, Brad Spielberger is our guest on defense is a premier edge player. I think they can bring back a James Smith Williams and or a Casey Tuhill to be in rotation. I think KJ Henry showed nicely as a rotation piece. Um, and like James has been a quality starter opposite of, for instance, Montez Sweat, when Chase Young missed basically all of two years ago. Um, but you need, like, if, if that's all you got, you're in a bad, bad way, as we saw with their defense this year. So what, like, pass-rushing premier edge player options are available, and how much will those guys cost this offseason? Yeah, so it's actually a good spot. I, I should have mentioned it was one of the stronger position groups. Um, a lot of depth there. There are some high-end players. And I'll say, um, I imagine they would try to go young. Like, I don't think they're going to get into the Daniel Hunter market if they're going to trade the guys they had. Uh, you know, so... He's obviously up there. You know, first it starts off with Josh Allen in Jacksonville. I, I think there's probably a 0% chance they let him go. Was absolutely phenomenal this year. Um, honestly, you know, probably should have been a, a Pro Bowl, All-Pro type player. Uh, and then Brian Burns in Carolina. Maybe he does get out at this point. He, he's been trying to get out of Carolina for quite some time. Um, <laughs> Poor Brian Burns is just stuck down there. Yeah, yeah. So where it's, the list starts for me um, as I think the one that is very fascinating to me would be Jonathan Greenard, who's in Houston this year, had a breakout this season. He's always kind of dealt with minor injuries, and I also don't think he was as good of a fit in their prior defensive scheme as he had one of the better run-defending edges in the entire NFL. You know, you lose the Montez Sweat. I think some people try to kind of downplay his value because he doesn't show up great in all those pass rush metrics. Sure, he's one of the best run defenders at the position in the league, and, and that does matter, right? So I think Greenard is kind of like your, your, your discount version of a Montez Sweat. And on the flip side, if you want to get a true pass rush specialist, uh, Bryce Huff with the New York Jets has had the highest pass rush win rate in the NFL for us two years in a row. It's partly because he comes in only on, you know, third downs or second and long, like obvious passing situations, but he, he is a designated pass rusher. Supreme um, is an elite talent off the edge for that specifically. Um, I think those two guys are really, really intriguing. If you're Washington. Yeah. That's another spot in the draft that they just like, the problem is you've got these three picks in the top 45. I think it is, is where that last bears pick is that they got for sweat. So trading down. I don't know. Now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, but the, the last guy I'll ask you about is cam curl. You mentioned him earlier. Um, I am, I am so torn on him. Like Cam Curl's a really good football player who's just solid at everything he does, but he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. Like he does, and he doesn't create splash plays. He, he is notoriously not created turnovers. So how do you value him? Like what's his price going to be? And like, what are the other options there for if Washington wants to replace him with another, a different free agent? Yeah, so I'm with you there, where he's just very good at everything, maybe not elite at, at anything. And the ball production, you know, which which teams will pay more for at safety, hasn't really been there, at least this past season. So I think he, you know, is in that like three years, $40 million range. I have him just getting a franchise tag right now, which, you know, I'll admit in the beginning of the, when I start this, like sometimes I put that as a placeholder before I kind of get around to, you know, really working through it and, and assessing the market and stuff like that. But I think he's in that, that mid-tier, that second-tier range, three years, 40, three years, 45. Um, if they wanted to bring him back, which I'd be totally fine with. I think he is a good football player. But like I mentioned, I think one thing we that I've learned from doing this is there are so many 
starting caliber safeties in, in the free agency class every single year. Like it's why we expect some of these guys to get these great deals, Chauncey Gardner Johnson for you know recent example, and they go to the market and flop because no one's like, hey, you know what? You are better than everybody else, but we can get 85% of your production on a two-year $10 million deal, so we're not going to pay you $15 million a year, right? So that, that applies this year as it does every year. I mean, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is an example, guy that can play in the slot, can play in the deep third, um, can do a lot of things, play corner if you need him to. You got guys like Jordan Fuller it, it, with the Rams, who's a very good, too high safety, rangy, uh, makes plays on the ball. You have kind of your more box players like Julian Blackman this year with the Colts came down and made a ton of plays in the box, was a bit more splashy there. Geno Stone with the Ravens led the NFL in interceptions, I think, for most of the year. Um, they've gotten surpassed. So anyway, it's there are a million different options. I think you can spend anywhere from 15 to $2 million a year and get a guy that you're comfortable playing a 1,000 snaps. It's just that's where safety is at this point in, in the NFL. Um, or you, you make the splash and, and keep a homegrown talent in Cameron Curl um, and maybe just you know use him differently or, or whatever the case may be. But but I hear you where like you're not dying if you lose him because um, he really hasn't made those those like field flipping plays so far in his career. Yeah, and the communication stuff with him is another area where I, I have questions. Uh, I'll ask you kind of a uh, last question, B, if you will, follow up, because uh, I told you the last one would be the last one. But um, my part of why I struggle with Curl is I think Quan Martin developed in the last half of the season, and it looks really good. And I think one of the things that Washington has done a terrible job of the last four years is they plan to replace a guy, and then they don't. They just keep the guy, and whether that's drafting Fedarian Mathis and then re-signing Deron Payne, they draft a Quan Martin just in case Cam Curl leaves, and now all of a sudden it's like, well, do you keep Cam Curl? And you wind up with a bunch of duplicity in the roster versus and holes elsewhere because you didn't use the the pick where you needed it. You used the pick where you thought you were going to need it, and then it turns out you just kept the guy. Um, John Dotson and Terry McLaurin, same thing. Um, so my question to you, Brad, as someone who has a better scope on the entire league is like, what is a good process in preparing when you're going to lose free agency and kind of when to make the tough decision to just let a guy walk versus, you know, hey, let's tag him. Let's wait an extra year. Like what's what teams are doing that well and what does their process look like? Yeah, so I do think at the outset, the approach of drafting at that position is fine, right? Like they're, like drafting for need, sometimes you fall into a trap because it's the NFL, guys can get hurt, guys can leave, anything can happen. And all of a sudden, a position of strength becomes a need. But like you said, when you do it, especially when you're using top-end draft capital, you have to actually let that guy go then, save the money, replace him with a cheap young player. Um, and yeah, there might be some growing pains. Yeah, he might not be as good as the guy you're letting go. Like you have to understand that and appreciate that. Obviously, like Mathis, for example, you know, injury issues, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you do see teams make those draft picks, but the, the really good ones make those tough decisions, let these guys walk. I mean, you look at the, the list of compensatory picks every year, the Eagles, Niners, Ravens, they're getting four comp picks every single year. And you're like, wow, like, why would the Eagles let Javon Hargrave go? Well, they have Jalen Carter coming in. He's a you know defensive rookie of the year candidate. Like, it's not always that clean and that simple. But, yeah, you, you got to sometimes not pay those guys and let them get, get paid elsewhere, um, get the extra draft capital, and, and just keep churning. So uh, they get the first part down, but you got you got to make those tough decisions as well.
Yeah. Uh, when, of course, now the guy making those decisions to bring us full circle is a guy that's done it in San Francisco and Adam Peters. Uh, Brad Spielberger, the top 150 free agents ranked in order. Indisputable. This is it. This is the order. There's no wiggle room. Not even first. No, I'm not even going to do that to you, Brad. Uh, you can read their top 150 lifts at pff.com. Uh, Brad Spielberger is, of course, their salary cap analyst. Uh, Brad, thank you, sir, for your time as always. And I'm sure as more lists and more signings and more things happen during the offseason, we'll be talking again. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Spielberger, everybody. Of course, Pro Football Focus's salary cap analyst. Uh, reminder, if you kind of caught midway through that interview, that you can catch the whole thing in the free Odyssey app using the rewind feature or better yet, on your own control, anytime you want, on demand. Just download the Hoffman Show podcast, subscribe. Uh, that way you get the full show, you get the interviews cut up, however you want to consume it. It's all right there in our podcast feed, which you can get on any of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, and then speaking of podcasts, tomorrow uh, we are going to, on Take Command, talk to the executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, who is on top of all the college prospects on top of, obviously, he's in charge of inviting people to the Senior Bowl, which is next week down in Alabama. Uh, so that's, we'll talk to him about all that. But we'll also get his takes and uh, his opinions on Adam Peters uh, as the new general manager in Washington. He knows all the front office people all across the NFL. He's got a great eye for coaches and how they use talent. So we'll talk to him about Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald and the, the other top candidates here in Washington. So Jim Nagy on take command tomorrow. We'll play some or maybe, depending on how long it goes, all of that interview uh, for you here on the radio as well. So really good stuff in the podcast and the digital world here from us in the Hoffman Show universe, if you will. Just subscribe wherever you get your pods. Coming up next, uh, a, a very valued character in the Hoffman Show universe, speaking of. Lenell Willingham joins us for Overreaction Tuesday, yet again on a Wednesday because we're bad at scheduling, but Linnell uh, takes hot off the presses next here on the Team 980.